Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Welcome back to another minute of Joe vs. the Minute, the podcast that analyzes the 1990 Tom Hanks film Joe vs. the Volcano one minute at a time, one party minute at a time. Jarf is not here to stop me, so I'm really sorry. This could go on forever. <laughs> I am one of your co-hosts, Tierney Steele, and today Jarf is taking a little breather. He's still primping for this party. And instead, I am going to talk to my friend Dan MacArthur. Hello, how are you doing today? <laughs> Getting our tiki baths going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So specifically today, we're going to talk about Minute 85. It is a minute that begins with a cut to the evening on the island, because I mean, technically it starts with Tom Hanks sitting after ripping an octopus off his face in a bath. Like that felt weird. That's not really this minute. This is a minute that starts with sunset and it ends with a horn announcing the arrival of someone. Who could it be? (laughs) Yeah, that's where we're at. We are getting ready to partay because Joe isn't in this minute other than that quick clip at the beginning. And this is the party beginning. People are talking. Nathan Lane is here. Yeah, Nathan Lane. (laughs) All right. So here's a fun fact. I did not realize that was Nathan Lane until I started working on this project. And Jarvis is like, yeah, yeah, Nathan Lane. I'm like, I'm sorry, what now? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you know, the like the guy. And I'm like, a Vagoda? No? Wait a minute. What's going on here? To Moon himself. I, all right. So, uh-oh. We're being invaded. <laughs> Surprise. Ladies and gentlemen, on the shore of New Jersey, lights have been seen over the water. You got the We interrupt off this program face. to bring you. <laughs> hey, sorry I'm late. How's it going? You're barely late. I didn't get to do anything weird. <laughs> <laughs> you snooze, you lose, pal. Wow. All right. Fine. I guess Jarf's going to talk about this minute with us. <laughs> Um, no, I was just admitting on air at last that I never put together that this is Nathan Lane in this ensemble. Really? Just never occurred to me. And I was going to ask what people's go to, like, if I said the name Nathan Lane, would anyone think of Joe versus the Volcano? Because I gotta tell you guys, I'm going the Birdcage. Yeah. Yeah, Birdcage would be my go to. Or Lion King. Mm. I think it's producers for me. All good movies. All movies people should watch. Oh, and he was in a film called Mouse Hunt, which I don't think did particularly well, but for some reason my sister was obsessed with and I've seen a billion times. (laughs) That's what I know about Nathan Lane. Do we want to get into how he is not a Pacific Islander? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the fantastic casting of Joe versus a volcano and their extreme sensitivity to native representation. And their made-up language that they have him speak. (laughs) Yeah, not much to say about that. (laughs) You're like, please, please, let's change the subject. I'll add one thing that is not just about Joe versus a volcano, but it's just a broader statement about looking back at old movies and seeing either racially insensitive or straight-up racist things in them. A lot of times... When people discuss them, they'll give this caveat, you couldn't make this movie anymore. And I always feel strange when I hear someone say that, because I'm never quite clear if they're saying, 
you shouldn't make this movie anymore. <laughs> or if it's a like, oh, god darn it, people are so uptight and they're bothered by the overt racism. So I always wish that people would just say what they mean rather than sweep it under the rug. It's okay to love a movie and say, you know what? This part of this movie that I love is not good. It's really hard, too, because I can't divorce myself from, in general, liking what happens on the island. I thought the Waponies were funny growing up. Like, these were some of the first, just to lean into another stereotype that can be can be racially harmful. The Borscht Belt sense of humor. Right. I grew up watching Madeline Kahn and Mel Brooks movies and all, and like the the noise that now I know it's Nathan Lane makes when he's finishing his little introductory speech. Like that goes, that goes straight into my little group outside New York City heart. (laughs) And so it is this weird melding. And I think for all that he should not be here, a Vagoda is wonderful as the chief. Like, maybe he got scared. Like, his understated underplaying it really works for me. So I am definitely of two minds. I mean, Nathan Lane is speaking gibberish, right? Like, that's not cool. And the logical part of my brain understands that. But then there's that little kid part of my brain that's still like, that guy's so scary. Whoa, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm inclined looking back on it now to say, if I was going to just make one change, it would be lose Nathan Lane, keep Ava Vagoda. <laughs> you can even you can keep John Patrick Shanley's overall dumb, made-up concept of, the, of this blended culture so that it is, it's a mythology that he made up because he likes to make everything up in the movie. And keep Ava Vagoda because he's really great in the role. I think that he is really bringing something. Having people gathered around a fire telling stories in gibberish isn't a great look. And it's hard because it comes after that gorgeous sunset and, and the and the swirling. Dan, we met because we were fans of the Indiana Jones Minute, and I wrote Yahweh in my notes right oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, the swirling in the... We look in the volcano in this minute. It's Yeah, it's like Temple of Doom when they're in the lava caves there. You got the swirling fire. And <laughs> this is a volcano. Yeah. I'm sure you have tapestries. <laughs> yeah, it's like this gorgeous sunset and the mountain silhouetted and it's so cool. And then it's so slapsticky. And there, like I said, there's part of me that this is really working. <laughs> now... I was going to ask, and I tend to like to ask on Monday so that I know where you're coming from. Had you seen this movie before? I watched it when I was a kid, and honestly, it it never like really settled with me. Like not nothing bad. I just you know I didn't love it. It didn't seem like a kids movie to me. Like I mean you know it starts with him just working and being. It was kind of slow and boring in the beginning for me as a kid. But I, I rewatched it recently, you know, just preparing the talk with you guys. And I mean, I, I, I like it a lot, you know. It's not a bad movie. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Earlier in the show, we had some people come on who just watched their minutes, and it's like, that's fine. Once you're past the, once you're coming up on the hour and a half mark, it's a lot more helpful if people know, like, yeah. what the story is. So we're having this big old party. Are they telling the story of the volcano am i completely making up that interpretation i assume that's what they were supposed to get from it i'm guessing that patricia's question about like uh has anyone seen joe is prompted because 
she hasn't seen him since they split up for their little spa days. Because it seems to me like this is still pretty early in the party process. He's just making a fashionable entrance. She says, where is he? And Ava Goda's like, maybe he ran away. They're on an island. Yeah, where's he going to (laughs) go? But Joe has to jump in voluntarily, right? To satisfy the woo? Am I remembering that right, Jarf? Like, they can't just throw someone in the volcano and fulfill the, oh, Jarf is gone. No. no. (laughs) Now we'll never know. (laughs) I believe that's what the chief says, though. I think they want a hero to volunteer to be given to the volcano. Okay. Like I said, I'm just trying to get myself, where is everyone's head at? What's everyone thinking about? I'm back. I'm back in phase with your reality. Ooh. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. So we were just talking about like, you know, Joe has to jump in voluntarily to be the hero. So probably hasn't run away. Also an island. Where is he going? <laughs> right. So and then when, at the end of the minute, we hear those horns. I'm thinking something's about to happen. It would be really funny, though, if Patricia's just sort of strolling along the beach and she comes across Joe's like rushing out, like getting a little boat ready to like head. <laughs> like, what well, you know, what are you? It would be uh, just kind of like Rose <laughs> finding Finn about to abandon. Yes! <laughs> She's got a shotgun. A lot of people trying to desert. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they do that? <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of kick-ass female characters who don't always get as much to do as they could, I wanted to ask Dan, if you don't mind, Jarf, me hijacking the conversation a little bit longer, who his favorite Meg Ryan character is of the film. I think I'd have to go with Patricia. Just I liked how she handled the sailboat. Mm, yes. Yes. She's not a Preach. liberty gibbet like her sister. oh jarf i started to say not a fan of the flipperty gibbet and now i kind of want team flipperty gibbet t-shirts or fan of flipperty flipperty gibbet fan t-shirts go with the alliteration yeah 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 it's a strong alliteration i really like it yeah this is rich coming from someone who has not set up a tea public store whatsoever (laughs) add that to our our fantasy merch that is not being made Look, I've main merch, and it's a lot of work. Like, have you cut out shapes in GIMP? It's a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the name of the program. I'm not being <laughs> I was just sort of slack-jawed and speechless. <laughs> that's some old-school inappropriate word. <laughs> so, Dan, you like the way that she handled the sailboat. We've theorized that Joe fell in love with Patricia at that moment where she said, it's my boat, and she goes out to try and save it. So your your destinies are aligning. I like that. <laughs> yeah. This seemed like a good time for when he, it finally clicked on him, yeah. just in the heat of, heat of danger. And from her, we've seen the kiss and a little bit of tender care on the raft, but Patricia hasn't really had a lot of time to... Uh, Catch feelings, as the kids say. <laughs> now she's hanging out with Abe Vigoda. Yeah. Wearing a feather on her forehead. It's a whole look. But she's concerned about where he is. So I, I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> I have to break the evergreen protocol for a moment and be like, man, what would you give to like be at a beach fire right now? <laughs> like a bonfire <laughs> on the beach. 
<laughs> just hanging out with, you know, everyone in your town like these guys. Yeah, would be <laughs> would be better than what we're going through now. You know, I was already sad that we weren't going to have a Dick Dale concert this year. Mm. And then I found a Falling Stars concert. And then there was a global pandemic. And I just think the universe doesn't want me to see Jerry Porter play drums anymore, which is <laughs> very inconsiderate of it. He should so. be on YouTube doing it. <laughs> I... I might buy a drum set by the time this is all over. <laughs> if I if I can figure out room for it, because I was like, I can't do that. I live in an apartment building. I will be murdered by the people who live next door and above me, and it won't be anyone's fault other than my own. And then I found out that, do you remember in the movie Ant-Man when he has the dramas when he's on house arrest? Oh, yes. The electronic <laughs> ones? Uh-huh. <laughs> Guess what aren't horribly expensive? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not cheap. They're an investment, but you know what? We're in goddamn lockdown. I can invest in an electronic set of drums if I can figure out where to put them. And then I just have on headphones. And then all people are hearing is like, dummy, dummy. that's that. That's it. Probably annoying for the people who also live in my apartment, but that's fine. I would say that's a wise choice versus... How do we say real drums? I don't think anyone should be introducing an old school drum set into a quarantine situation. That probably isn't good. I'll be a beginner, so it'll sound like crap. (laughs) (laughs) Will you shut your damn kid up? It's not a child. It's me. Also, you are talking to someone who helped her roommate smuggle her drum set into a fourth floor dorm room. (laughs) Wow. Smuggle. So I'm used to it. (laughs) I guess not smuggle. We were pretty blatant, but like we did do it at night. We kind of knew it wasn't going to last too long. So we enjoyed the month that we had them. I was trying to imagine how you could possibly smuggle items that large. Is it a situation where you distracted the guard with a hoagie <laughs> or or were all the drums hidden under a big trench coat like the Muppet Man? Or It's, just, it's quite a caper. Yeah. No, we uh, we just pulled up and actually they were coming from the loading dock. So five flights of stairs to carry that up. <laughs> good times. Good times. Hi, Cassie, if you're listening. So anyway, yes, I maybe I'll learn to play this little musical interlude we have going this minute. The little drums that are going on the island. <laughs> that can be my first goal. I like it. Yeah. See, I brought it around back to this movie. Well, speaking of bringing it back around. I don't remember if it is in this minute or if it's later this week that we see the mask, the factory mask. It's this minute he like comes up out of an anthill. It's supposed to look like the volcano. It is so creepy and it still kind of gives me the like back of the neck shivers. It is so creepy, but also listeners give Tierney some credit. She is the one that (laughs) pointed me to the fact that the factory way back at that dreary beginning that just put Dan to sleep as a kid, what, <laughs> that factory was the same design as this mask, which is just super cool. It's, it's just, it's the noises he's making. I cannot feel at ease while someone is going, oh, like that. <laughs> so did you try to piece together you were sort of asking this earlier, like, is he telling the story of the volcano? D- did you try to piece together the meaning of what he's pantomiming? Or did you, it just kind of wash over you as like, yeah, he's saying the 
the kind of volcano thing. Because I love it when when you see 3PO in Jedi and he's telling the Ewoks the story of the movies. And, and of course, he can make the awesome sound effects. And, <laughs> and you can tell like, oh, I know... I saw that in the movie. I know what he's telling them. So I wonder if you get the same kind of energy here. Don't know that this Nathan Lane character has C-3PO energy. (laughs) I just, I get really frustrated now as an adult watching this, trying to be like, is he saying, am I supposed to be able to make out what words he's saying? Like, I can't stop myself from trying to understand English words out of this, even though it's not like I've put on closed captioning to make sure I'm not missing things like thrown in there. It's it's just noise. Yeah. We should get Sean German over here to analyze the miming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been good. But that's all. It just just seems like just gibberish. And like you just said, it's he's pantomiming a story. And it seems like, you know, the, the monster or god of the mountain needs to be appeased. But, you know, it's hard to get any other meaning out of it. It's hard to because he has on his on his right hand, I think that's supposed to be the volcano, right? Like that's supposed to be the mountain. Yeah. But then on the other hand is the eye. So I'm trying to figure out like what the significance is supposed to be of that or if that's just general like God representation. Shrug, maybe. <laughs> general God representation. It took art history 101. <laughs> then went home and listened to Cassie practice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I never quite worked out what was going on here. And I'm not going to start now. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, can you tell we're late in, <laughs> in our movie? <laughs> I think part of the joy that I've experienced of listening to a movies by minute podcast the whole way through, as I have for a co- couple, is just... It's the payoff of those punch drunk last weeks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Really? Yeah, this is fine. Yeah. In long distance running, in the final stretches of a marathon, I've heard the announcers say, those early miles are still in your legs. And I think that's what it's like to be a Movies by Minute podcaster who's been talking about Joe versus a volcano just every week for many months. Those... Those minutes, I guess, are still in your mind. (laughs) And in your production design. (laughs) (laughs) Just FYI, we started recording last July, Jarf. Wow. It's April. (laughs) So. Is that true? I'm looking at the spreadsheet. July 11th. (laughs) Anyway, that's not relevant. (laughs) I just had to say it. Also, because I was on the spreadsheet. <laughs> I, like, I can be helpful. Yeah, that that is a little bit inside baseball. And so listeners, don't get me wrong. It has been a blast. It just warps your mind. That's all. It's not so bad to have a warped mind, especially in a warped world. Don't let our experience stop you from making a Movies by Minute podcast of your own. <laughs> I will embrace another movies by minutes trope and ask if anyone else anyone has anything else for this minute. Listeners, get out your bingo cards and mark the square. Does anyone have anything else for this minute? (laughs) No, I didn't have anything else. Uh, I think that's all I have. Well, then say that you should come talk to us on our social media because that is part of what keeps us going. And then eventually you can become friends with other people in the social media and then you can go to concerts with them and be cool like Dan and me. (laughs) Wow. I'm feeling left out. <laughs> I'm not just sure we're going to have any more concerts. You've been cool for 84 minutes, Char. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm printing that on my business cards as we speak. <laughs> cool for 84 minutes. It's <laughs> a good stretch of time. <laughs> yeah, cool for 84 minutes. And Dan, is there anything that you wanted to... I'm sorry if you guys talked about this before I was like, is there anything that you wanted to plug or to, or recommend to our listeners? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Give a shout out to the Mogwai Minute. They're the first podcast that let me guest on them. That was a blast. Oh, nice. George and Neil. Yes, uh, George, past guest of the show. That's a great shout out. And the Facebook group that Tierney mentioned is the Joe versus the Minute Listener's Luggage Raft. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Joe versus Minute. And I think that about does it for Minute 85. Where to now, Tierney? Away from the things of man, of course. Away from the things of man. Party time! (laughs) Now I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna go when the volcano blows. Let me say now I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm gonna go. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.